Welcome to the audiobook of Facts vs. Truth, written and narrated by Dr. Hugh Alexander Jackman. I want you to imagine that you are the judge in a court case. The truth is on trial. Facts form the prosecution. At the end of the day, you must make a decision. Which will you believe, the facts or the truth? I pray that this book will be a complete blessing to your life. Chapter 12 Who wins, you decide. Well done, my friend. You have almost completed this book. I told you at the beginning that every word that I've written was inspired by the Holy Spirit. By now, you will know this also. So who wins? Is it the facts or is it the truth? The answer is simple. It is a matter of our faith. If you would dare to believe the word of God is truth then truth will win every time. If, on the other hand, we perceive the facts as being greater than the truth, then the devil will beat us on every occasion. When I was a young boy of just 16 years of age, I got in trouble with the police. I so admired the lawyer who defended me that I actually desired to become a lawyer myself. I spent some years training to be one, but that didn't work out for me because of distractions in my life. Forty-odd years later, God has allowed me to indulge myself in the desires of my youth. I believe, like a barrister at law, that I have clearly laid out the case for my client, which is the word of God, against the facts of the prosecution, the enemy. You must now be the judge and the jury as I make my final defence of the truth. My closing statement, if you like, to you, therefore, is this. If this book has left you even with a reasonable doubt that the facts in your case may be wrong, or that they may be symptoms that are being brought to you by the evil one, demonically induced, or some other curse-based issue. Or that the truth may be right in your case. If there's even a modicum of doubt, then I implore you to make a decision to set my client, the truth, free in your heart. Make a decision for the truth. That's all it takes is to make a decision to say, I believe the word of God over my circumstances, over my situation. Believe! Only then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Please get in contact and share what the words of this book 
have done for you. I know that, like me, many of you will have been healed and delivered and set free. It is impossible to absorb this much truth and not be somehow affected by it. For those of you who have not known the Lord and feel after hearing or reading this book that you want to become a Christian, here is a prayer of salvation, especially for you. Pray it now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your truth. Go on, repeat it. I thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to the earth for my sake. Right now, I repent of all of my sins and I ask that you forgive me. I would like to accept the free gift of your salvation. Lord Jesus, I ask you now, come into my life. And from this day forward, please be my Lord and Saviour. Thank you for sending me the Holy Spirit of truth. I thank you right now. I am saved and a child of God forever. Amen. In closing, I'm recording a prophetic word given to me on the 12th of December 2014 at 6am. Siva stretched across and tapped me in bed. She was asleep and didn't know that she had done so. I was awakened and instantly remembered a dream and accompanying scriptures. I wrote it down. Here it is. The Lord himself spoke to me saying, A judgment on words has begun. A judgment on words has begun. I said, What does this mean? He said, The time of judgment has begun, but it will not happen as you may imagine, for it begins with words. Every word that people speak will receive its reward, and this I say instantly. I have begun it, says the Lord. Written or spoken, every word will receive its recompense, for it is the time of harvest. You may say, why words? Did not all things begin with my word? Genesis 1 and 3. My children have forgotten the significance of words. Those who understand my authority will speak, and there will be an instant reaction. Matthew 8 and verse 8. Carry my word as sons. Speak with authority. Your words will not fail to hit their targets. I will see to it. 1 Samuel 3 and verse 19. Speak and decree. Walk in peace. I will add the light. Job 22, 28. Those who utter curses against my children are already receiving their own damnation. Genesis 12 and verse 3. It is coming because of their own words. For by their words they are justified, and by their words they are now condemned. Matthew twelve thirty seven. Did I not speak these things when I walked among you? My beloved, these are serious times. The day is coming and yet is upon us now. 
my children, Psalms 98 verse 11, will hear of it. That even whilst they utter against you, believing that they have done my will, they will fall before you. They will fall by their own words. The judgment on words has begun, and it is no small thing, for I work in and through my word. The darkness cannot escape it. Every rock and every crevice will obey it. There is no escape from it. Soon the world will see it. The judgments we are seeing are now judgments on words. No one has an excuse. It has just begun. Many more judgments will follow. See to it that you are not troubled. Open your eyes. You can see it. Put not your confidence in man, but trust my word. Hide it now. Now hide it deep in your heart and walk in the confidence of it. End of book. Chapter 9D. Trudy's Story. I have another testimony to share with you on the subject of believers using their God-given authority in the earth. This account is about a young lady who became a member of our church, which we pastored some years ago. To protect her identity, we will call her Trudy. She was quite a new believer in Christ. I thought there was something very special about her. I took her on as my daughter. Eventually, she became my assistant and helped me with lots of secretarial tasks that needed doing. One day, she came to me and told me that she was in some trouble. She explained that she had broken the law and was probably going to prison. She had made the mistake of using a false identity to gain access to the UK. But then she heard the word of God being preached and she was convicted and decided to give herself over to the police. I remember thinking this girl is going down, but I could not help but admire her bravery. There was no way any judge would let her off the hook, especially as she had already admitted her offence. Trudy asked me to pray for her. I held hands with her and began to pray in the name of Jesus when I was suddenly surprised by the voice of the Holy Spirit. Those who walk with the Lord know his voice instinctively. He told me that she was his child and that he would protect her. He said she would not be going to prison because his grace and mercy will be with her. Amazingly, I then, by faith, repeated the words that I had heard of the Lord, and she received them. Some months passed, and it was now time for Trudy to attend the court case. Once again, she called upon me to pray and asked me to attend the hearing with her. I agreed to both. Once again, as I prayed, the Spirit of God assured me that he would protect her, and that she would receive grace and mercy through him. On the day of the court case, there was a terrific traffic jam due to an accident on the motorway. We were going to be late for the trial. Trudy received a nervous phone call from her lawyer, who by now was at the courthouse. The call ended in tears as Trudy was told that if she was not in attendance at the court on time, she would have no chance of defending her case. And it would be, as it were, an open and shut case, with a certain conviction and imprisonment for her. She burst into tears. 
I thought to myself, this isn't what you said to me, Lord. Then immediately, the spirit of faith rose up in me and I began to take authority over the situation. I said, Lord, you told me that this child would not see prison. I have spoken your word to her. It cannot return to me void. Therefore, if we're going to be late, then I declare that the judge must also be late. In Jesus Christ's name. I told her to stop crying and trust God. I can't say that I gave the matter another thought, but I equally cannot say that I wasn't surprised by what happened next. I dropped Trudy and her auntie at the door of the courthouse, whilst I went to look for a parking space. Upon my return, I saw a very excited auntie standing by the entrance of the court. I could see her saying something, but I wasn't sure what it was until I got very close to her. Now up close, I realised what she was trying to tell me. She was saying, the judge is late, the judge is late. At this point, I hope to make you smile just a little. If God ever does something really incredible in your life, no matter how great it is, just play it cool. I looked at her and said, well, what did you expect? We prayed. We took authority and of course he is late. The truth is, my spirit man was leaping and praising God, but I held it down because the trial was not yet over. I will spare you the complete details of the trial, but suffice to say that it lasted a period of about two months. I ended up writing her defence for the barrister and there was a divine change of judge. In the end, Trudy's case set a legal precedent in the UK. She never went to jail and received only a six-month suspended sentence. The barrister told me that this was the most lenient sentence he had ever seen passed in a case of this nature. I told him what I'm telling you now. Nothing is impossible for God and for his children who trust in him. He said he had another case coming up next week and would I be prepared to come along and ask God to help him with that one also? Trudy is still in the UK. She loves Jesus and is married now, raising her family, having put her mistakes behind her. When I find myself in times of trouble, I remember Trudy's case. To man, a victory for her would have been absolutely impossible. Yet God turned her test into a testimony. My friend... You and I have been given delegated authority from God in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is a biblical truth. I pray you will grasp this. I pray it will become such a reality in your life that you will begin to step out in divine faith, declaring and decreeing the word of truth over every impossibility in your life, with tremendous signs following. Amen. That's the end of chapter 9. Chapter 9 C. Airplane Faith In the summer of 2011, I was invited to Canada. I was staying with a very good friend and father in the faith, Bishop Al Baxter. We were involved in a television project together, so we spent some time planning and building for the vision. One morning, he told me that he had booked some airline tickets and that we would both be travelling to Jamaica. I was very excited about this as I had never been there before. True to his word, some weeks later we took a connecting flight 
from Toronto, and I found myself sitting on a plane from Miami Airport, bound for Jamaica. Something was to happen on this flight that would change my perspective about the authority of the believer forever. We had flown about a third of the way when the aircraft hit the worst wave of turbulence that I had ever experienced. The plane seemed to just fall out of the sky several times. Every time the plane dropped, there was an accompanying scream of fear that really was impossible to ignore. No matter how brave you might be, collective fear is a terrifying thing. It seems to spread from individual to individual, almost like a virus which comes so quickly, you don't seem to have a choice about whether you receive it or not. Sensing that fear was trying to take a grip on me. I began to pray in tongues. That's the secret language of the Holy Spirit. Sitting beside me throughout this entire ordeal was my friend, Bishop Al Baxter, with his face towards the window, fast asleep. At first I prayed quietly, but as the turbulence intensified, I suppose my volume increased to the point, eventually, that I woke the bishop up. Upon awaking, he asked me what was going on. I tried to explain that the plane was in turbulence. It is very serious. And I was busy praying. I was inviting him to join with me. I thought that he would be quite proud of the fact that as a man of God, I had not succumbed to the fear. His response to my words shocked me, to be quite frank. Seemingly, without a shred of concern, he simply shook himself awake and spoke the following words. What? Not on my plane. I watched him, thinking, what does he think he's going to do about it? At this point, he looked to his left, whereupon he could see the wing of the aircraft, and spoke the following words. I see myself like the Son of God, and like a Son of God, I see myself walk out on the wings of this aircraft. I'm pointing at the wind and the turbulence. I pictured him at this point, perfectly balanced, like the Lord Jesus Christ walking on the sea. Then he said very loudly, Peace be still in the name of Jesus. Try to picture the scene as it happened, how we sat on that aircraft filled with fear. Screaming had reached pitch level, and suddenly a voice rose above the sound of the screams, with everyone suddenly looking in our direction, including the airline staff. I witnessed the most incredible manifestation of the power of God that I had ever experienced. Suddenly, there was a sound like the wheels of the aircraft landing. The sound was followed by the most incredible peace and calm. People began to ask, what just happened? I could hear them whispering to each other things like, that man spoke and something happened. Another said jokingly, I think Jesus is on board. They had no idea how accurate that statement really was. Some passengers who sat nearby us were so impressed by the instantaneous change that had taken place that they began to clap their hands. It was like a slow 
reflex reaction. They just began to praise God without knowing or understanding why. As I sat there watching the entire thing take place, I knew exactly what had happened. I had witnessed a man of God use his delegated authority in the name of Jesus. Since then, I have shared this account many times around the world. I talk about how I felt for the rest of that flight, particularly how I sat and looked at the bishop watching him fall back to sleep, thinking to myself, how in the world did he do that? Feeling a little bit inadequate, I turned my question to God. I said, Lord, what happened? I was praying. I was believing you to fix the situation. What happened? I heard the still, small voice of the Lord deep down inside my spirit. He said, Son, there is a time for speaking in tongues, and that's good. You must learn that there is a time to speak my word with authority. Bishop Al Baxter taught me something I would never forget. I spent the next five years deeply affected by that word. It changed my life forever, and I hope it will change yours. Now you've heard it. You know, about three years later, I was sitting in an airport waiting for my flight to board. I fell asleep and began to dream. I saw myself with my hand stretched out towards the wing of an aircraft. When I woke up, I knew exactly what this meant. I thought, better get ready. It looks like it's going to be time to exercise my faith. Sure enough, the flight took off and we had flown about halfway to our destination. Suddenly, we hit terrible air turbulence. I waited a while to see if it would abate or at least calm down, but it just got worse. Once again, I felt the fear begin to rise with every drop of the aircraft. I thought to myself, I've been here before. Friends, I want you to know I did not begin speaking in tongues. Neither did I lift up a prayer to the Father in Jesus' name. I knew this was not that time. I stretched my hands towards the wing of the aircraft and I said the following words. I see myself like a son of God walking out on the wings of this aircraft. I use my delegated authority given to me by the Father of my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I speak to the wind and to the storm and to the turbulence. Then in a firm tone I said, Peace be still in the mighty name of Jesus. Well, they say that lightning never strikes in the same place twice. Thank God that isn't the case with the word of God. Once again, I heard, as it were, the sounds of wheels touching the ground while we were still in the air. The aircraft instantly stabilized and I and the rest of the passengers enjoyed a silky smooth ride all the way to Malaga. Just like the Jamaican flight, not a single bump. My friends, God is no respecter of persons. He wants all of his children to enjoy a victorious life. He wants us all to understand the power of our authority in him. What he did for the bishop and for me, he will do for anyone who will take him at his word. Believe and trust in the word of God today. My friends, the word of God is transferable. You can get this. Start by believing my report and ask God to give you airplane faith. End of chapter 9c Beginning of chapter 9b Let's begin with fig tree faith.
Our first ministry was a home Bible group. My real faith journey began when we were studying the account of the fig tree which the Lord cursed. You could really feel the tangible presence of God in our front room that day. Whilst we studied, I literally pictured Jesus Christ speaking faith-filled words like microcharged nuclear explosions. I used to do a taxi run after the study to take friends and family home. My sister-in-law, Imogene, who we call Sis, was the last drop-off. Standing outside her house, I noticed a beautiful tropical-looking flower growing in her front garden, which really caught my attention. I asked her what species it was. Not that I knew anything about plants. She replied that she didn't know, but she said, you have the same plant in your front garden. I couldn't remember seeing it. Siva could not remember seeing the plant either. It was then that Sis made a comment that stirred my faith. She said, yes, you've got the same plant, because we got them at the same time, but yours doesn't bear flowers because it's a male and not a female plant. Now, to this day, I don't know whether there is such a thing as a male or female plant, but something about that statement activated my faith. I remembered the fact that Jesus was hungry the night when he cursed the fig tree, having found no fruit thereon. I made an about turn to our house and found the barren plant sitting outside our front door, just as Sis had said. It was just a mass of green leaves with no flowers. I'm sure the neighbours thought we were quite strange anyway, so the fact that we were about to have a prayer meeting over a plant in our front garden shouldn't have come as a great surprise to them. I remember a moment came when faith arose in my heart. And then, before I knew it, I was speaking the following words. Plant, if you're a male, then change sex, because from this day forward, I command you to bear fruit. I want to see a beautiful bunch of flowers like my sister-in-law's, so get on with it. Start changing now in the name of Jesus. The next morning, enthused by the chapter that we had been studying, I checked to see if the plant had obeyed me. I remembered that when Jesus cursed the fig tree, it withered immediately. Now, whether you want to call it faith or foolishness, I expected to see instant results. Unfortunately, when I checked the plant, nothing had changed, or so I thought anyway. The next day, everything remained exactly the same. I was about to command it again when suddenly the Lord put me under arrest. It seemed like he was saying, you are about to commit a faith crime. Have you ever had the Lord place you under arrest just before you were about to do or say something which violates his laws of faith? The voice of the Lord came to me clearly at that moment saying, didn't you do that last night? I knew exactly what he was saying to me through this question. He was telling me that if I did it in faith last night, doing it again isn't going to make any difference. If I was going to learn the principles of faith, I would have to start by obeying its laws. One of the laws of faith is that you have to believe it before you see it come to pass. I made a decision that morning that took my faith to another level. I simply said, I had spoken the thing and that was the end of it. 
That which I had spoken must now come to pass. That was simply that. The Lord then said, What can you do today that will not violate the faith you exercised yesterday? I thought long and hard about the Lord's question to me, and then suddenly I got the answer. I said, Plant, where is my fruit? I simply kept saying, Come on, where is my fruit? I did this every time I passed the plant. Beloved friends, words are important, especially when dealing with things of faith. I needed to change my confession towards that plant because I am no longer in the realm of believing for the thing to happen. I am now in the realm of divine manifestation, which means that which I have declared has already come to pass in the spirit realm. After that, every day I went to check on the plant to see if it had obeyed me. For at least a month or so, it seemed like it hadn't heard my words. Note, many times when we speak faith-filled words over a situation or thing, we may not see a physical manifestation immediately. Think of it like planting apple seeds in soil. You plant the seeds in faith, hoping to see a resulting harvest. You have no idea whether it will happen or not, but you believe that it will, either based on what you have learned about gardening or the fact that you have done it before. You wouldn't panic if you woke up the next morning and there wasn't a fine young apple tree growing in your garden. Likewise, you shouldn't panic if things don't appear to have changed immediately. You started in faith, stay in faith, until you see the harvest. Amen. Now you may never have considered what I'm about to say to you, so buckle your seatbelts and get ready, for we are about to take a faith journey together. Did you ever realize that this entire planet was set up by God to be subordinate to man? The Lord Jesus Christ walked on water, spoke to the wind, and multiplied fish and loaves of bread. One time he practically made a new pair of eyeballs. Capital P. From the dust of the ground mixed with some spittle. He had authority in this world and he made sure that this world knew it. So what about you and I? Are you beginning to grasp who you are through the delegated authority of Christ? Approximately six weeks had passed since my declaration over the barren plant. It was now the middle of winter. Seaver and I had just returned from a shopping trip, and as usual, I reached the front gate of the house and was about to ask the plant where my flowers were. This had become my daily faith declaration over it. Suddenly, I noticed something that looked different. I dropped my shopping and walked slowly over to the plant to see if my eyes were playing tricks on me. To my complete amazement, there was a tiny bud right there in the centre of the plant, staring me in the face. I couldn't believe my eyes. This plant had only ever produced green leaves. It looked like a cabbage. And now suddenly, it had a flowering bud on it. 
Man alive, I don't mind telling you that we had a praise party over that little shrub. I shouted and praised God. Why? You see, you need to understand, I wasn't looking at a green shrub. Not at all. I was looking at my newly found faith. I was looking at a victory of the word of God over my every circumstance to come. I was looking at the answer to every future problem I would ever face. I was looking at God's creative power and a confirmation that I am his son. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you should ask what you will and it will be done for you. Matthew 18.22 Now I knew that was true. Hallelujah. With every day that passed, that shoot got bigger and bigger until a beautiful red flower appeared. I shouted and praised God every day. Every time I got down or depressed about anything that was going wrong in my life, all I had to do was step out into our front garden and take a look at that little shrub. Immediately, I knew everything was going to be all right because God's word could not fail. But there was something I had not considered. It was something that would make a huge difference to my future understanding of faith. This miracle happened in the middle of a cold, frosty winter, and this plant was not only bearing fruit, but it was breaking the natural laws of the earth. (laughs) Of course, Within weeks, the flower was dead. I was sad, but I immediately understood my mistake. The Lord was teaching me a principle of his word. He was teaching me to speak his word without violating his laws. God was teaching me that I had spoken the word with faith, but a little too much enthusiasm. He said, if you're going to use my word, consider all of the possible ramifications. My friends, we must respect the word of God. It is not a plaything. I realized my mistake. I took some time to study several books about the timing of flowering of certain types of plants. And then, when I was sure I knew what I was doing, I revisited that plant and told it to bear fruit in the correct season. And of course, it did. Every year after that, we saw bunches and bunches of beautiful red flowers, born by my faith in the word of God. Hallelujah! I had learned an important principle, and my faith had been activated for the future. I realized that at last the anointing in me was beginning to bear fruit in the earth. I didn't realize it at the time, but the Lord was teaching me that facts can be changed by the truth of his word. Have you begun your faith walk yet? Start with something small. Trust the Lord and watch it grow. Since this time, we have used these principles to change many facts, and so can you. Just believe the word of the Lord. End of chapter 9b.